here we are with the podcast. We've got Stephanie Fortune. Uh, super pumped to have a conversation with you. Um, I've been looking forward to this one. Um, dear friends with you and uh, your husband, Kent, who's also just on the podcast. We just did a recording um, recently. Um, and so excited to just kick it off and dive right in. You've got a really epic uh, and compelling story with your life and your career and the impact that you've had in the world. I really, really admire all the amazing things that you've done um, and the gifts that you bring uh, to the world and to people. And we'll get into all of that, but I kind of want to start just zooming out. Um, and I actually, let me just preface a little bit. So uh, part of the intention for the podcast um, and my hope is I want to uncover and unpack uh, tools and ideas and hacks and stories of people who have secretly incredible lives. And I think you're one of those people who's really incredible, but it, but not many people know, I think all of the incredible things that you've done. So I'm excited to unpack that. So let's start at kind of like a 30,000 foot view and give us sort of the backdrop of, of, who you are and what you've done, uh, in your career and sort of the impact that you've had in the world. (laughs) That's a tall order. Uh, probably not as deserving as you might make it, but I tell you, I've had a blessed life. There is no question about it. And I started out a country girl born in Colorado, but growing up in Missouri. And when I came to Colorado, two days after I graduated from high school, I didn't know what to do because I had been very social and very involved in everything, and nobody told me how hard it is to move to a new community, a new city, a new state. Hmm. So I got involved in politics. My cousin said to me, a very liberal cousin said to me, let's join Young Republicans and meet rich men. Well, I was 17. I didn't care about meeting rich men. (laughs) But I said, well, I like Ronald Reagan, so I'll get involved in politics. And it changed my life forever. Because I got to work at the state capitol for the House of Representatives. I was very privileged to work for President Bush Sr. and did advance work for him and for Mrs. Bush. So I traveled all over the world and got to help set up his trips to different embassies and parliaments and different um, big-scale places and it was pretty cool because we, we got to interact with the president and Mrs. Bush and really learn what amazing people they truly were. And then I, at a very young age, got to be the chief of staff to a congressman from Colorado and lived in Washington, D.C. for almost seven years. I missed Colorado, came back home, and uh, I know you and my husband joked earlier about I'm more millennial than I am <laughs> in mind, uh, in mind, and not such a baby boomer because I did have several jobs, several careers, but it all, all of it just was interlinked to opportunity and was always recruited away from different jobs to go do the next thing. I had the great fortune of being an assistant director at the Department of Public Health and Environment, which is a state agency. Uh, and then worked for the governor of Colorado and um, got to work for University of Colorado for the system and then um, came to Colorado Springs, was recruited to come here to work for the Chamber of Commerce as the president of governmental affairs and public policy and then went on to work for UCCS. And 
The best part of all of that, my work in Colorado Springs, is that I have gotten to work on amazing projects. Uh, part of the team for so many really cool things that have come to fruition after years of working on them. They're popping up all over the place, and that's fun. So cool. Um, so you, in, in about, I don't know how long that was, three minutes or something, you just spouted off uh, like a whole myriad of ep just epic stuff. So... I mean, one of them, just like a little nugget at the beginning, um, being on George H.W. Bush's advance team and traveling the globe. I mean, so that is an example. How did that come about? Like, how did you, what's, I mean, there's probably no job application process for that type no. of thing. Like, how do you, I'm just, you know, curious. And I know people would be, are just interested in, in people who do stuff like this. Like, how, do, how is it you set yourself up for success it's all about relationships because it's kind of a funny story my boss at the time at the state capitol had a friend who did advance for president bush he said stephanie you think you might want to do this we it's a volunteer thing in the beginning and we can get you an interview who wouldn't say yes to that well i interviewed with the man traveling through who was doing a lot of interviews and they didn't select me. And so I was like, well, that's too bad. <laughs> that would have been fun. Well, the funny part is that I had a great friendship with somebody from Greeley and the Young Republicans, and I lost touch with her. Unbeknownst to me, she was doing advance for President Bush. So one day she was in Los Angeles. She was in this guy's room who had done all the interviews in his office, and she saw my resume on the desk. And she's like, I know Stephanie Finley. We had to get her on the team. Well, the guy had a crush on my friend. And uh, <laughs> just to please her, he be. selected me. Wow. And I didn't care how I got in the door. As long as it was ethical and yeah. legal, I was okay with whatever way. And I think that's a life lesson. People get, it's, I noticed this about young people too. They get very rigid in thinking, well, I can't do something unless I have earned it, forced it. It's got to be all about me. Self-driven. Yeah. And who I am, they should choose me just because, no, <laughs> take whatever means you get to be chosen and go for it. If it's a relationship that proves productive and opens the door for you, go through that door and then prove yourself. Yeah. I think it's really key because we, it's like you get stuck on feeling like you have to have it a certain things have to evolve a certain way yes. or you have a plan of how you want your career to go or, or there's pride uh, mm. a lot of pride i have to do this by myself i have to pull myself up by my bootstraps hmm. is that an american thing or is that a a generational thing what do you well it sure was with my generation and then a little bit younger i had a young man who wanted to go to law school in st mary's our boss the congressman was an alum at St. Mary's. I said, Greg, let him open the door for you. Let And then you can prove yourself. Nope, I've got to do it on my own. I must do it on my own. He didn't get in. Next year, I said, Greg, you ready to let the congressman open the door? Nothing illegal, nothing immoral, nothing right. unethical. He just knows he has relationships. Do you want him to open the door for you to prove yourself? He finally let him open the door. He became an attorney for the army and did amazing has done amazing things 
as the attorney for the army, and he's gotten to live in Hawaii. <laughs> wow, <That's, laughs> so it's a great a lot of suffering out there. Yeah, exactly. So cool. I so one of the things um, I admire about you and the work you've done, and kind of in hearing you tell the story, it's the um, your emphasis on relationships as kind of the it's like the fabric for success. You know, it's like, it's like how it's how things happen. It's how opportunities are opened. And it's kind of the, it's like the, to your point, it's the willingness to be able to ask people for help too, because that relationship, it's sort of, it's giving up a little bit of the whole independence mindset of I'm going to make my way and, and I'm, I've got this thing to myself. Um, and it's that sort of willingness to ask for help and, or just let other people help you. Um, and at the right time you can, you can prove yourself or prove your independence, but um, was there a, like a light bulb moment for you when you realized the power of relationships? Did you sort of evolve into understanding that? Like how, tell me about that process. I think that is where I have been blessed is that I've been given a, a skill set for knowing well, for loving people, let me just be honest. I yeah. love people, yeah. And so it was a natural thing for me just to, to engage with people, to help people, to be aware of people, and to listen to people. What ha- has turned out to um, be is strong relationships that then creates opportunity, or that help you're talking about. Uh, when I was at the health department, the the chief medical officer and epidemiologist used to talk about when there's a pandemic flu or there's an emergency, you don't want to just go to the people you're going to need to work with right then. You have to work with people leading up to that emergency. You have to have those relationships with the hospitals and with the doctors and with the emergency providers and the police and the fire. So he worked long and hard at that. And I always thought, you know what? I have built relationships with people that when the times are tough, that's, I already have the relationship, and I've already cultivated it, and so I can call them immediately. And and one example of that is that, um, or not just call them when there's something wrong going on, but opportunity. So uh, Scott McKinnis, who became congressman from Western Colorado, and I became his chief of staff, that all started long before he became congressman. I, I worked at the House of Representatives. I was a young punk kid. He, we, I was in line to get something at, at, at a sandwich restaurant in Denver with my buddies. I looked behind me, and a few people back, he, the Representative McKinnis was standing there. I said, sir, because I didn't know him, I just said, sir, I'd be happy to get your sandwich for you and bring it back to the Capitol. He never forget, forgot that I said that, that I did that, and then when he became majority leader of the House of Representatives, he came to me. He said, you and I don't know each other very well, but I remember when you did that for me, hmm. and I'd like you to work for me. And that changed the course of my life, too, because then he became congressman a year later, and I went to Washington, D.C. as one of the youngest chief of staff. Wow. And it was that little simple act of kindness. That- yeah, I mean, and so and obviously other other things, but it was that that was a moment. It sounds like that and was, that built relationship in that moment, right? And yeah. then it continued on. The other place where relationship has really played a role right now in Colorado Springs 
is that I moved here 13 years ago not knowing, I knew maybe two people. And I started working for the chamber, which is a great place to build relationship, no doubt. I started to work on different projects, as I said before, and one area of that relationship is that one of the leaders of the city came to me, a very impactful person, very high influence. He said to me, would you come to my house at 8.30 tonight? I want to ask you some questions about something. Because I trusted him and we had developed a relationship, I went to his house with his wife and kids and he started quizzing me about opportunity on something that nobody else had figured out. I gave him knowledge about how things had been, how they could be. He seized the moment, and then he started working on City for Champions. Yeah. He invited me in to the process because of relationship. We worked on it with a team of other people, and... I was blessed to play a significant role in it five years ago, and now the projects are popping up. And people are like, wow, where did that come from? And it came from relationship where a lot of people got together because they had been in relationship and worked on these projects with a great leader. And now you see the Olympic Museum happening when you drive by I-25 yeah. and Bijou, well, Cimarron, and then you see the Air Force Academy talking about their visitor center, UCCS talking about the William J. Hibble Sports Medicine and Performance Center. It's a mouthful. You got that, though. <laughs> and then the Sports and Event Center downtown. Yeah. Okay, so this brings up an interesting point um, of your kind of knack for this stuff. One of the things I, I think you're also great at re with relationships is uh, you're kind of like this... Um, I view you sort of as a closer. You're like a seven figure deal closer. <laughs> like you, cl in a way, you know, like you. I wish. All, well, seven no, well, <laughs> well you, you don't, maybe not. I don't <laughs> not get your compensation. The seven I was going to say, yeah. that'd be nice. Like, others get the seven Others get figures. the seven figure. But no, like there's all, to your point, like all of these projects that you're involved in. And this is, you know, this is just like the most recent impact of your career. But it's like, you know, you, you have this ability to bring sometimes disparate people together who actually wouldn't normally connect and bring them together and somehow get them aligned on and get them on the same page. And then out of it comes this, you know, usually, I, I mean, I, I know of several, I can think of, the, well, actually all the ones you just rattled off are, mul you know, multiple seven figure type of projects and things that are happening uh, for the community, you know, and in a positive way. So adding a lot of value for people. So I guess, how is it that in that process, how do you bring people together that may not normally like to be in the same room together or may not normally collaborate? How do you get people on the same page? Relationship. <laughs> <laughs> because your, so like your relationship with each of the, the players involved? Yes, but also understanding how connectivity can produce um, extraordinary things yeah. that people don't always understand. It, 13 years ago when I moved here, Colorado Springs was very much a siloed community, 
and the city government worked this way and the county government worked that way and then you'd have utilities and university and then business they were all in their own little areas and they didn't work together and i give the university a lot of credit and the chamber at the time and this the county for certain at understanding they could bust through all those silos come together and make big things happen and so i think each one of us, Garrett, each one of us has a gift. And when we tap into the gift we are given, that's when you excel. That's when you really seize moments. And one of my gifts is just knowing, and I don't, I don't say this with any hubris at all, because I'm not the one who, who produced the gift. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was given to me. And that is that um, I can spot opportunity and I can spot talent. The talent part is fun for me because I like people who get it, yep. you know, yep. who understand the big picture, who have big minds. I, I suffer when I work with really small minds <laughs> and then I have to be kind and compassionate. <laughs> you can edit that out. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. No, I mean, it's, I think it's, yeah, I think you definitely have an eye for, for spotting, you know, high potential, high impact talent. Uh, I mean, in all sorts of different contexts um, and, you know, helping support their sort of fostering of their gifts and talents that they have and, you know, creating a greater impact in the work that they're doing. Um, And that's going to have an impact on other people. It's going to have an impact on the people themselves as individuals in their career and families. Um, And it's actually an interesting thing. One thing I wanted to ask um, related actually to that is your... um, Basically, so amidst all the other career things, you've been, you know, deal maker, closer, you know, chief of staff, advanced teamwork, you know, amidst all of that, you've also kind of embedded in that process, had this knack for individual sort of development, helping people um, around getting clarity on what their gifts and talents are that sometimes you can I think see before they can see. And I, so I was just having a conversation with somebody recently in the community and uh, we were talking about you just briefly and he mentioned, yeah, you know, we, I've got a good connection with Stephanie and she was helping me at a certain point kind of get clear on what my next steps were. And then, and then we talked about the whiteboard uh, process. And I said, did the she, love did, of my life besides she, kid fortune. <laughs> exactly. The whiteboard. So I said, did she get the whiteboard out? And he's like, yeah, she got the whiteboard out. Um, and you, so you do this, you know, you, you kind of have this process you go through with people and you use a whiteboard as a, as a tool in the process, but you really have got this knack for helping people get clear on all sorts of things. But I think fundamentally it's clear on their kind of path, the impact they can have, the gifts they give to the world. So how did that come about? When did you start doing that? Um, and I guess walk us through what that process looks like. And the why of it. Yeah. Yeah. The intention. (laughs) Yeah. So I've, all my career, I've always helped people find jobs. It's just something, it was almost like a little hobby and, and I just want people to be happy. I know, I know that sounds so corny, but I want people to use their gifts and I just want them to be happy. And so I would, if they'd ask me for help, I'd help them. And so then about 15 years ago, I stumbled into not a very great situation where I needed to get out of a job and I couldn't find anybody to help me, not, not help hire me, 
but I couldn't find anybody to help me figure out what I wanted and needed to do next and the right way to go in getting it done. So I developed this thing just for myself and I, I developed this visual pathways and I put down my values and I put down things that I loved and I th- I put a little separate list for things I really couldn't stand. <laughs> and, Which is good to know too, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And through that process and then some very intentional work at, at engaging people who could be helpful, that's how I ended up in Colorado Springs. I would have never been here had I not done my clarity exercise. And on. you started with yourself. I started with myself and developed the tool. Well, years later, I had an executive coach that I, that I just randomly mentioned it to and showed it to him. And he's like, Stephanie, you could patent this. You need to, to um, put it into motion because you could really help other people. And I named it Clarity because every time I do it for somebody, they, they would be like, wow, that, that gives me such great clarity on where I want to go next. Yeah. But I learned a very important lesson. In the beginning, it was just about career. It was about a job. What is the next job to do? Yep. And now it's about life. Hmm. I have learned it needs to be about life as a whole and not just about your job. Hmm. What do you think um, prevents people from having that that sense of clarity on the next steps for their for their life holistically, for their career? Um, what are the, I guess, the barriers that get in the way? Two things, in my opinion, and I've worked with a lot of people from top executives yep. to college students yep. coming, just graduating, um, run the gamut, and two things. First of all, a lack of understanding about themselves. Mm. And, and even I didn't do a self-assessment or a personality test until I was in my late 40s. Mm. My aunt didn't do one until she was in her late 60s. She was liberated by doing Myers-Briggs and then uh, the Enneagram because she finally understood herself. She didn't, she didn't know why she did the things she did, and she didn't realize it was okay <laughs> that, she did the, that there was a reason for it. And I, I've done several of them, the ones I mentioned in Personalysis, and I, I wish I would have done it when I was 21 because it's amazing to know yourself. Yep. And to know others and how you relate to others. So a lot of people don't do those kind of assessments and they need to. The second thing is in all of this world where everybody's like, be you and do what makes you happy and have self-confidence. You're the best. So many people lack self-esteem. They lack self-confidence and they hide it because you can never let anybody see that you don't have self-confidence. But I am stunned from the top executives down to the college graduate, how low their self-esteem is sometimes. Yeah. The self, yeah, I love both. The self-awareness I think is the, is a foundation I think is spot on with, um, I was listening, we were joking earlier about podcasts and, you know, people listening to podcasts. So I was listening to a podcast that should be a hashtag in a podcast or whatever. True. Do um, that, please. <laughs> so I was listening to one and the guy being interviewed, I can't remember his name. He was an author, but he had this line that really stuck out and he said that you are a mystery to yourself. And it was that's sort good. of interesting that you know, I, that's run around in my mind I a like bit that. that, you know, we are, it's like we're these really, you know, 
humans are really complex beings and without being intentional about it, you really are a mystery to yourself. Like, like why you make decisions, the way you do, um, really un- unpacking what you value, all of that stuff takes intention and focus. It doesn't just, self-awareness doesn't just happen by osmosis. You've got to be purposeful about it. So I really resonate with that, that it's helping people just unpack, get, get, like really get to know yourself, what you love doing, what you're passionate about, what skill set you bring to the table, um, and all that's obviously related to the work part of it. But then I know you do a lot in the life space too. It's like, how do you um, set up your uh, your career so that it can support the type of life that you want to lead to and your relationships and all of those things? So, Well, Garrett, and also we need to wake up because there, the mental health issues going on right now and the, the problems we see in the world, yep. we need to do an assessment of beyond our career. Yeah. We need to do we need to look at what we're doing with our families. Yeah. We need to look at what we're doing with our children. And we need to understand that if you're doing a job, that takes up a lot of your life <laughs> to yeah. day after Be- day. Yeah. So you better do what you're passionate about and what you love. Don't squander life by doing things you shouldn't or that you you shouldn't want. You shouldn't do. Um and then that second piece about the family and just really nurturing your life so it works. So the job works for your family. Mm. That's really, really critical right now when we see all this stuff going on with teenagers and teen suicide and mental health issues and things like that. I know that's a little bit of a serious topic in the middle of... No, it, but actually it's a really good one. And you've done work in the, in that space in particular um, and also working with young people. So... What is it, um, I guess, in our context right now, I think there's a lot of variables, but what in your kind of observation is it that's impacting that? Um, <laughs> that's a great question, and I could get into real trouble for giving my observations because they might not be founded in research and things like that. But um, social media. I, and there is research on that. Yeah, there is research about yeah. that. I'm Yes. So I was with a soon-to-be college graduate two days ago having lunch, talking about mentorship in, in the future and success and things. And he told me he had stopped looking at Facebook and Instagram. He deleted his accounts because it was really disturbing him. He was very depressed because everybody else seemed to have a much better life than he did. And then he recognized, no, they don't. It's just an Instagram world. So social media is definitely a hotspot and we need to pay attention. Yep. But I honestly think that we have to ask some hard questions about the family. Yeah, I think so too. I think, well, yeah. So two, two comments that I think just popped in my mind. So social media, I think being a piece of it related back to your two elements about self-awareness and self-esteem. So I think, uh, and there again, a lot of data, um, on this related to uh, increased levels of depression, anxiety, uh, stress among, particularly among teenagers, um, uh, the highest percentage growth has actually been young, uh, younger students and middle schoolers. But, um, you know, there is that, it's like that's a, an element that actually I think negatively impacts the, the not only depression, anxiety, stress, et cetera, and suicide, but also, um, uh, self-esteem and self-confidence because you're constantly comparing yourself to other people right. and comparing t- to 
false reality usually, you know, right? Absolutely. Because it's you know the, the the platforms are set up so that you can you can filter and basically create your own version of reality, and then you share that with the world, and it looks amazing, and it looks like wow, everybody's life is incredible except mine. But reality is it it's not that's not anchored in what is real. It's filtered. So I think that's one thing. And then yeah, I I resonate with the family comment too. I think that that's an element of you know of all of this related to self-awareness and, uh, and self-esteem and building self-confidence so that you, you know, when you're, you know, through middle school and high school and you're off into the world as an adult, you've got that foundation set, uh, for yourself. Well, and here's a positive. What I'm learning now is that younger people are starting to self-regulate. How great is that, that they are starting to understand what it's doing to their own psyche and they're pulling away. Yep. And, and I'll just tell you a quick story. When I was in my wedding season two and a half years ago, the happiest time of my life, I had waited very long to get married. I found the most perfect of men for me yep. and married the best guy around. But during the wedding season, I found myself getting down and out and I couldn't figure out why. This is the happiest time of my life. And then I figured it out. I was listening to Fox News <laughs> all morning. And then when I get home from work and yep. listening to that. So my point is what you put into your brain can be very harmful. Yeah. And, and you you have to. And as soon as I stopped listening to the news, I was back in joy town. Yeah. So true. It's like it's your um, you're primed uh, to focus on certain things. So if you, it's, it's, it's based on your, you know, a lot of environmental stuff and, and media consumption and people that you interact with, all of that's priming your mindset to focus on certain things, positive or negative. I, I had a similar season. Um, <laughs> I, I watched CNN all the time. Uh, so, so you can, <laughs> so there's that. Um, and it will, same thing. It's, you know, you just watch the, you know, if, if that's a thing you do, you, you know, pretty quick, you'll see some negative, just attitude mindset things impacted there. So that yeah, was a that shift. You've come up with. Well, yeah, exactly. Cause then you start sort of forming your own narrative around things that you, you know, that you're watching or observing or hearing Yes. and it's a sort of a reinforcing process. So I, I, I think that's really, uh, smart to be mindful of what it is you observe, you know, what, what do you, what are you focusing on? Where are you putting your attention? Well, and that is why people ne- need to listen to cause or effect. Cause or effect podcast. That's yes, right. Thanks exactly. for the uh, the very shameless plug there. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, really epic stuff, and I love um, unpacking all of this. Um, I think I want to kind of go to the the final question here, and that's around the the um, topic, and that's what is the cause that you want to bring about in the world? Well, so often I have too many causes <laughs> and I, I, I'm in a season of trying to be really intentional and, and focus on just a few. And right now it really is Colorado Springs promise. And this is a great group. Talk about bringing good people together yep. who want to help solve problems. This is a group of people who are intentionally looking at the, um, getting the graduation rates up in uh, our high schools, but looking at education and other things to help equip these young people for a better life, for a job, for a a great future. And it's been fun and and it's challenging. It's unbelievable how many homeless, hungry, 
um, kids we have out there with behavioral issues as well, mental health issues and things like that. And there's a real cry out there to help our kids. And we are the kind of community where we are better than that, than leaving these kids off on their own. We can do this. We can surround these kids with a lot of champions, with a lot of opportunity, and we can set the standard here. And that excites me. So awesome. Awesome. Thanks, Stephanie.